The Pistons are fun. Jaden Ivey's the fastest man alive. Cade was great last year, added 10 pounds of muscle. He's even better. Jalen Duran, the fact that he was ever allowed to play against high school students, let alone college students, let alone the fact that he's 18 years old, let alone the fact that Charlotte gave him to us for free, let alone that his body looks like that, let alone that he could stop a bazooka from point-blank range. Jalen Duran is a freak. Beef Stew out here hitting corner three daggers. Those clowns up in the mountains in Utah gave us Bogdan Bogdanovich for free. Why? Why did we get Bogdan for free? I feel like that he was kind of a known, has been a known role player that's good in the NBA for a while. Utah goes, eh, take him. We don't want anything back. The Pistons are undefeated. LCA was rocking. It's a good time. This team, this franchise, they might be back. New episode of the Detroiter, everybody. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. We're covering sports in the Motor City and the Mid State. Before we dive into it, let me just say, you've seen the shirts. You know I do the sportswear shirts. You know I got the Lions stuff. We got the Pistons stuff, Red Wings, etc. I'm going to do more streetwear because football season, whether we want to admit it or not, is going to end eventually. Basketball season, hockey season, whether we want to admit it or not, will end eventually. And beyond that, if we're kind of subject to the fate that we've been had fucking can't speak for the last few years. There's a decent chance. The Pistons may fizzle out at some point based on history. There's a decent chance that the Red Wings may fizzle out at some point based on history. Right. And you know, with the shirts, I've started to do the thing where I'm putting it out for a weekend. You have three days to buy it. If you don't buy it in those three days, you're out of luck. Maybe if something great happens, I'll put them on sale for one more weekend. But for the most part, you only have a few days to collect each of the designs I drop, whether it is Red Wings, Pistons, etc. I put the teal ones out however many months ago when I came out with it. I put them on sale again for a weekend, I think in uh, September. And then I think I put them on sale for one more day at the beginning of October. But those are gone forever. These Red Wings one, we're about to drop a new Red Wings design for this season. I want to get it out by this weekend, but you can't rush perfection. Is that the phrase? You can't right? You can't rush perfection. It might end up being either this week or next weekend, but a Red Wings design for this season is in fact coming out. We have the Pistons teal, like I mentioned. I think we may do one more. I think I may do another Pistons one just for the hell of it. Doesn't it sound pretty fucking fun? I, there's an excitement around them, dude. The Red Wings and the Pistons. It's like these are the two franchises <laughs> keeping me out of my grave. What am I going to do? Not make designs for them? I have to. So you can keep your eyes peeled for that. But aside from the sports, I want to start doing more shirts. Like the lifestyle streetwear aspect, you could say. You see, I got one on today. We got the second string logo right here. Let me tear, let me stand up, turn around real quick so you can see the back. Let me get this fucking chair out of the way. One sec. I'm in. I hope you got a good look at that. It's impossible for me to tell if you got a good look at that. So we're going to just cross our fingers and hope. But it is a heater. Don't need to be a sports fan. Don't need to care about the Pistons. Don't need to be concerned with the Red Wings. And you can rock this shirt. You'll love this shirt. The craziest thing, it says the second string Detroit on the back. Absolutely, it does. But, dude, you don't need to be a Detroit fan. You don't need to be from Detroit. You're just wearing a brand that happened to be started in Detroit. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're wearing Supreme New York, fucking whatever, Los Angeles, 
Kiff Miami. You're wearing all that shit anyway. Let's get Detroit in the mix, dude. This is one of the cities that this fucking country was built on. All those tailors out in Los Angeles, the reason they're there is because a place like Detroit existed. Let's put Detroit on the map. We've done it with the street or with the sportswear, rather. You see guys like me, the brand I'm running, Sauna Detroit. You see these brands sprouting up in the city. Yeah, we're all kind of related to the sports teams right now because I think there's always just a general. A, there's fans of sports that don't know who I am, aren't fans of me, and it's easier for me to get them interested and get them involved if they go, oh, shit, it's a a Lions thing, not this fucking kid who I saw on the internet one day. It's a lot easier to bring people in if you go, hey, wait, what, you're you're a Tigers fan? Well, let me me show you this thing I made. It's a lot easier to do that. Plus, I think sportswear in general just plays. People love the vintage sportswear feel. Um, It's like, cool, again. It's cool to wear your, your team shirt, a design that looks like it was made in the 90s to the bar. Like people are like, oh, cool shirt, dude. You get compliments on that. I don't know how the ladies feel about it. Maybe a little overkill on the sports. I'm not the person to ask for that. But I think from a dude's perspective, from my perspective, fuck it. The only one that matters to me. I see someone with a cool vintage looking sports shirt and I'm going, all right, yeah, uh, I'd like one of those. I'd like one of those. I mean, you even see them, and it's not Detroit teams. I just made a Seattle one, which thank you, everybody. Thank you, the people of Seattle. Thank you, anybody who's not in Seattle that shared, supported, bought one. Maybe my favorite design I've created, and it was sports-centric. Like, we got Ken Griffey on there. We've got Sean Alexander front and center. But then it's more of an homage to the city. It just happens to tie in a little bit of the sports culture, the Sonics wrapped around the needle. Absolutely. But it's about more than just the sports teams. But I think I'm not from Seattle. I don't give a fuck. I mean, I was rooting for the Mariners in the postseason. It sucks that they lost, but I'm not losing sleep over the Mariners. I don't give a fuck about the Seahawks outside of Kenneth Walker. I don't care about the Sonics. I It'll be sick when they come back to Seattle, and they absolutely will. But, you know, same deal. Like, I'm not dying each night going to bed like, fucking hey, They're really in Oklahoma still. It's preposterous that they are. I hear you, Seattle. I'm with you. It's insane that a pro franchise moved from Seattle. Forget basketball. Any sport moved from Seattle, Washington to Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. They made that move. What the fuck is wrong with them? I hear you, Seattle. But I'm not a Seattle boy. I'm a Detroit boy. And even still making that design, I got my T-shirt hanging in the closet over there. I'm going to wear that design this weekend. I'm going to go out and I'm going to drink some beers wearing that Seattle graphic tee. And I'll tell you what. I can almost guarantee, fuck that. I can guarantee that I'm going to have at least one person look at my shirt and go look me in the eyes and go, that's a sweet shirt, dude. Where'd you get it? I promise you that that's going to happen. And if the shoe was on the other foot, I'm walking down the street and I saw somebody with that design on their chest and I didn't know where it came from. I'd give them, whoa, whoa, buddy, buddy, slow down, pal. Fucking take it easy. Where the hell? Did you get that shirt? I'm not even a Mariners or a Seahawks fan. I just That's the sickest looking shirt I've ever seen. That's what I'm trying to do. And we're doing it with the sports. And I think people have seen that. I've certainly have. And again, appreciate the support. It's all because of people like you out there who follow, who share. But I want to start doing more streetwear. I want to start doing more stuff unrelated to sports. And I know that may be a little bit slower to get off the ground. Not as much support because... Like I said, you care about the lines. You don't care about the second string or whatever it is I come up with that has nothing to do with your favorite sports teams. I understand that, but I want to try. I want to do other stuff. I like wearing other clothes. I love wearing sportswear. I love wearing Lions, Tigers, Red Wings, MSU shit. Fucking 
It's great. It's great. I just talked about how you wear a cool design to a bar, even if it is a sports shirt, you'll get some love for it. Like it plays. I do like other stuff though. I do want to do other stuff. I do want to tap into some other things. So keep the eyes peeled. This is the first of many, um, the little cartoon, the second string of Detroit. It's fucking, it's a sick design. Yes, me. Obviously, I'm going to say they're all sick. Otherwise, I wouldn't make them to begin with. So stay tuned. We've got some big things coming with the second string. Follow it on Instagram, the period second period string on Instagram. That's where you'll get all the updates. Every time I drop something, you'll see it there. Follow me on Twitter at Nick Second String, at the underscore underscore Detroiter. Follow me there too. I'm always posting whenever I new release, whenever we got shirt news, I'm posting it there as well. So a lot of you I know come over from the TikTok, which is great. And I post about the new releases on the TikTok as well. But the way the TikTok algorithm works, it doesn't really matter. Like even if you follow me on TikTok, or at least the way I understand it, if even if you follow me on TikTok, it doesn't necessarily matter. Like you still may miss a post I put out. If you're the biggest Red Wings fan on the planet and you just heard me talking about the design I'm going to put out for this season in the next week or so, and you're sitting there licking your chops going, holy shit, I can't wait. I need to see it. It's only available for a couple days. I need to fucking get my hands on it. If you're only following along on the TikTok, hopefully you do end up seeing it, right? But there's the chance that you won't. There's the chance, even if you're following me, even if you're paying attention, there's a chance that that one video of the however many I do every day, there's a chance that that one video doesn't surface on your feed. You don't scroll enough to get there. There's a chance. And then you miss out on the design and you miss out on the shirt. I don't want that to happen to anybody. I want as many people to get these shirts as possible. That's fucking everybody on the planet would be wearing the second string if I had it my way. So if you're more committed to the shirts, like you want to be locked in, you want to see all the drops, even if you don't plan on buying all of them, but you want to at least have a chance to, you want to see what they're about. You want to share them with your friends. You want to tuck some away, keep them in the back of your mind, follow the Instagram, follow the Twitter. It's much easier to just stay informed on those platforms. I've kind of come to notice just because TikTok's random. Anyways, enough about the brand. Um, well, one last thing about the brand. I do kind of, I do one of these days, I'm going to do an episode on here where I'm, where I just talk about the brand. Maybe it won't be an hour, but it'll maybe like 20 minutes or so, 30 minutes where I just go in and I talk about the entire idea behind it. I don't know. It's hard for me to say, cause the TikTok is growing and growing and growing. And I've said it a million fucking times, but it's hard to get the point across. The TikTok was made like I make those minute long videos with the green screen to gain traction, gain followers, gain viewers, gain attention, and then hopefully point those people here. I want all those people who watch the TikToks to come to the YouTube or come to Spotify or come to Apple and listen to the podcast. That's like the end goal for me. That's why I started doing the shorter clips because I was going all right, I'm recording these hour-long podcasts and I'm getting some listeners, but I'd like to have more, absolutely. And I'm just posting like links to the episodes. Not many people, that's not working a ton. I started posting clips of the podcast. All right, maybe a little bit. And then I started dabbling around with just off the cuff, shoot it with the phone, let's see what happens. So the entire idea behind the TikTok and the Detroiter, the persona of the Detroiter, like the Detroiter is the podcast. The page, the TikTok, the Twitter page, the Instagram, it was all made to like be the account of the Instagram. It wasn't necessarily, oh, I'm going to make a Detroit sports personality page and it'll just be me. I That wasn't really what I had in mind when I started. I was like, yeah, it'll be like the part in my take Instagram account. It'll be the part in my take. Like I was going to like 
that will be what it is. It's just the page for my, for my podcast kind of morphed the me doing the personality thing started to hit followers started to come in views. And I was like, all right, well, probably be foolish to stop this now. So I kept going with it, but I have struggled to get people over here. That is the entire point though, is to get people here from the TikTok. So I don't know how many people on the TikTok or know me through there really a know that I even run like a shirt, like a brand, right? I don't even know if people know I make designs for all these teams that they love and others. Um, and B, even if people do know that I'm not totally certain that they know like what my, what the vision is behind it. Like what my intention is, why I started it, why I do it. I don't even know if they know that it, it's me who comes up with the designs. Like, I think I've seen some comments where people think I'm just pushing like somebody else's shirt. That's not the, like, it's my stuff. It's my brand. It's my designs. So that's why I push it so much, right? Maybe it's a little annoying, but dude, if I don't put it out there, nobody fucking will. So I do want to do an episode one of these days, just diving in and explaining everything, explaining some of the designs, explaining the idea behind the designs, explaining like the feeling I'm trying to curate with the style of design, certainly the sports designs, because there's so many people who make sports merch. It's fucking easy to get lost in the wash. It's easy to not really have any sort of stamp of credibility or signature mark to you. You know what I mean? Sana's got the skeleton thing, even though everybody on the planet does the skeletons. Shout out Warren Lotus, the OG skeleton sports guy. Um, I know other people just put players and fucking monuments and the word Detroit on shirts. I know that that exists as well, but you know, I try to put my own spin on it. I try to do something a little more unique. Like I said, with the Seattle design, infusing the sports aspect of the city with like the cultural aspect of the city, the, the parts of it that rubbed off on me during a time there. And I'm not going to make only shirts for places that I visited. That won't be the case. I've been contemplating doing an Eagles shirt. I've been thinking about doing an Ohio state shirt. Like there's a bunch of stuff I want to do. I want to make a shirt for every sports franchise in America at some point, right? I'd like to get there. But the tricky part is it's time and effort and resources into making these designs. So if I make a Philadelphia Eagles shirt and it's the sickest fucking design you've ever seen, but I have three people from Philadelphia who follow me and I sell one t-shirt, then it's like, all right, well, that probably wasn't worth it. Wasn't a very good use of my time. I need to, it's like, I need to acquire the following first or in the Seattle case, I had the one video that like 600,000 people saw. I need something like a spark, something magical to happen where all of Philadelphia sees it. And then I can go, all right, cool. It was worth it. I'm glad this thing, this happened the way I had envisioned. So I don't know. I guess I kind of got deep into the shirts there for a little bit, but I do kind of want to do one episode, one of these days where I'm just talking about the shirts. It's nothing crazy. Like, I don't even know if I'll cut a clip for it or anything, or I, I just, for people who really care, the real ones who, you know, you like the sports chat or maybe you like the podcast, you like the videos, but the fucking real, real ones who not only are into that, but enjoy the fact that I'm bringing the personality and the content side and I'm matching it with the shirts and a brand and something unique and cool. And I'm kind of meeting them in the middle. Like it's all one big operation stemming from right up here for the people who are into that and into that idea. Cause I started the shirts first. A lot of people don't know. It'll be an episode for you. You can come find out why I started it, what's going on, all that good shit. So 
I've been thinking about that for a while now. I feel feel good. Wanted to do a little dump on the t-shirts because, like I said, a lot of people are just uninformed about what it is I do and what the second string is. Take a quick break. We're going to skip MSU Michigan this week. No MSU Michigan. We've got all next week for that shit. Lions game, if it goes, you know, how they've been going, I'm probably not going to be in a mood where I want to keep talking about the one and five Detroit Lions. So we'll have plenty of time. They'll be the Red Wings. They'll be the Pistons. But next week, I mean, it's Michigan, Michigan State. The Red Wings, the Pistons could win all their games this week, next week by a thousand. We're still dedicating the most time to Michigan, Michigan State. It's the fucking beauty of that game. It's the biggest. It's maybe Michigan, Michigan State might be the biggest day in the sports calendar for people from the state of Michigan. Unless the Wings are in the Stanley Cup. What else in your lifetime? The Tigers and the ALCS, Tigers in the World Series, perhaps? Outside of those, unless somebody's playing for a championship, the biggest day in the sports calendar is Michigan, Michigan State football. That's it. So we're going to dedicate the time next week. I don't want to overblast it this week. I want to talk about the Red Wings a little bit. Um, I want to talk about the Pistons edging out Orlando and their opener and Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran looking on fucking real, dude. Is Troy Weaver that guy or what? Is Troy Weaver that guy or what? Jalen Duran, brother. We got him for nothing. Charlotte just gave him away. Meanwhile, James Booknight and Miles Bridges, as much as I hate to say it, are doing drugs and sleeping with taquitos full of Glocks. Screwing Charlotte. And they just gave away who might be the steal of the draft in Jalen Duran. The guy is built like a transformer had sex with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's on fucking real double double are you kidding me he's 18 he's just posterizing grown ass men this dude got out of calculus class yesterday and came in and dropped his nuts on paulo benchero's forehead the next Jaden ivy is the flash he's the fastest man alive in transition unstoppable don't care who you are he's impossible he's the fastest fucking dude he can move left to left to right he's agile he can finish at the rim he can shoot he's a good playmaker Cade looks like Cade. The Pistons were exciting. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the Red Wings. Um, the reverse retros came out today and they're... Here's my thing. Here's my thing with the reverse retros. You're the Detroit Red Wings. You have the most iconic logo in all of sports. Red and white, the winged wheel, it's fucking immaculate. I understand the reverse retro. Let's do something unique. You have unbelievable retro jerseys. All of the Winter Classic kits you've worn. We've seen the barber pole, and that's what they alluded to. Let's do the barber pole. Let's do the barber pole. Okay, great. You're the Detroit Red Wings. Red and white. Iconic. You don't need to try. Just throw those out there. You're going to sell a million. Everybody's going to love them. They'll be one of the cleanest reverse retros the NHL dropped. Why is it that everybody at the Wings and at Adidas needs to do so much? That's the beauty of being the Detroit Red Wings. There's a reason Michigan football doesn't change their helmets every two days. It's because the wing, the helmet is iconic. You're the Detroit fucking Red Wings. Quit acting like your franchise was founded 13 years ago, throwing in black, changing things, trying way too hard, just doing everything that doesn't need to be done. You're the Detroit Red Wings. Embrace it. It's iconic. The brand, it's legendary. So act like it create like it. I'm not on the payroll. I just make t-shirts for fun. And you could have 30 better ideas from me by midnight, Detroit, plain and simple. Quick break. We'll get into all of it. 
I guess we can talk about the Lions too. I just realized. I, I, let's talk about the Lions. They play the Cowboys this week. The Cowboys are four and two, um, currently sitting at third in the NFC East, which is fucked. Third, four and two gets you third in the NFC East, dude. What timeline am I living in? The the New York Giants with Daniel Jones, God bless him. Daniel Jones has been a guilty pleasure of mine for a long time. Every single week on Red Zone on Twitter when he's getting clowned for falling over the 10-yard line for throwing the worst interception you'd ever seen. I'll watch him a couple times and I'll go, you know what, dude? Don't tell anybody I said this, but that Daniel Jones, he's all right. He's not the worst. He makes a couple of plays. Yeah, he does stupid shit, but who hasn't? He's a kid. He's young. He'll grow up. He'll learn. He makes plays too. He does some frisky stuff. Did I think Daniel Jones was going to ever be five and one second in the NFC East, Daniel Jones? Fuck no. Fuck no. Daniel Jones's parents never thought he would be capable of that. The fact that four and two gets you third in the NFC East mind-boggling to me. So with that said, you got to believe Dallas is going to be hungry. They're probably thinking, you know, Philly's going to win this division. Philly looks like probably the best team in football, at least one of the top three with Buffalo and KC. Philly's probably winning that division. The Cowboys are in a dogfight for a wild card spot. They're in a dogfight for a wild card spot. If you're in the Dallas locker room this weekend, if you're a Cowboys fan, and I'm sure they're all thinking the same thing, you're sitting there going, we cannot lose to the Detroit Lions to the one and four Detroit Lions with the head coach who doesn't know what a timeout is with the offense who was unbelievable and then got skunked last week by like a not good Patriots team. The Detroit Lions with the defense that wouldn't stop a butter knife. That Detroit Lions team, we're four and two. We're fighting for a wild card spot. Not only that, we're fighting with a divisional rival in the NY Giants. Dak Prescott's coming back after inking a fat sparkling water deal with Kylie Jenner. You got to beat the Detroit Lions. That's what every Cowboy fan in America is thinking this weekend. It just is. If you're the Detroit Lions, last week was a must win. The week before was a must win. I It's pointing out the obvious. But, you know, it's a must win. One and four feels a little, I don't know what the, what's the right word? Unovercomable? That, see, that's not a real word. What does it mean? What's a word for it? It feels too much to overcome. I guess I could just say that. Is there a word? Insurmountable. Fucking the sorest neck over here. Um, one and four already feels insurmountable, at least as far as making the playoffs goes. It feels like, you know, our goose is cooked. I know I'm the positive guy and I want to be, but it feels like our goose is cooked. Now, are, is it actually? No, not necessarily. There's still a chance we can make the playoffs. And at the very worst, I said it when the Red Wings started last week. I said it when the Pistons started the other day. At the very least, how about making the season interesting? Because let's face it, guys. One, the Detroit Lions aren't going to be bad enough to get Bryce Young. This team, whether Lions fans, whether you want to admit it or not, the Detroit Lions this year, they're going to win more games. However many more they win, I don't know. They will win more games, though. They're going to probably win at least, at least, like if this season is a complete train wreck, they, train wreck, they probably finish three, four, five wins. They're going to win some games. The offense got too much better. The team in general is better, even though the defense fucking blows 
bro. The offense got way too much better to not win a few. And if Jamison Williams comes back eventually, they're just like, eventually they get to play the bears twice, dude. Like the Vikings, they haven't played the Packers once. And I know how the fuck are they going to beat them? It's a divisional game, dude. I don't know. People get up for weird things. It's how sports work. I'm telling you right now though, the Detroit lions are too good to finish with two victories. They're probably not going to get a shot at a Bryce Young. Probably not even going to get a shot at a CJ Stroud, which is a whole other can of worms the way Justin Fields, you know, Bears fans are freaking out. Ohio State quarterbacks can't make it in the NFL. They probably won't even get a shot at him either. And if they do, God for fucking bid, they take him. And now we got to deal with this whole Ohio State quarterbacks don't work out and half the fans of the lines are Michigan fans. I, I, I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy, let alone myself. Um, and beyond all that, even if they had their pick of the litter from Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, whoever, Jared Goff kind of looks the part, dude. I don't want to say it, but that's the truth. Jared Goff kind of looks the part. Even if they do get that high of a pick, I kind of now I'm like, well, go get Will Anderson. Go get the best defensive player in the draft. Don't waste it on a quarterback. Jared Goff's been incredible, obviously, assuming he kind of keeps up what he's been doing or something close to it. Jared Goff has been unbelievable. He's maybe the one guy in this team that you can't really complain about, that you can't say, what the fuck? He's been far better than I think anybody would have predicted, even the biggest Jared Goff fans within Detroit's fan base. Nobody saw this coming. Yeah, he sucked. The whole offense did. The whole team did. Everything. The front office, the coaches, fucking the color blue sucked against the Patriots the other weekend. Other than that, Jared Goff's been electric. He's had no help. He's had no help from the defense. The offense has been good. The, they run the ball. The wide receivers are great. Hawk had a big game there. I'm not even sure that going and getting Bryce Young is exactly what the Detroit Lions need. So here's the thing. What about building something? What about creating a little momentum? Red Wings, Pistons, let's make it interesting for 82. Keep me there in March. Keep me on that couch right there in April going, oh, whoa, Pistons start in 10 minutes. I got to tune in because I want to see if this team can make the fucking playoffs. Oh, shit. Red Wings play Toronto and it's the third to last game of the year. They get two points here. They clinch the playoffs. That's it. I want to be there. And maybe they lose those games and they don't make the playoffs. And I'm sad. And I go to bed that night thinking about Pavel Datsuk and Henrik Zetterberg. Maybe that's the case. But I want to at least fucking reach that. I want to be able to oh, smell the proximity to a playoff appearance. I want to feel that just accelerated energy in my veins. It's not a playoff game, but it's fucking close. It's a game where you need one in the win column if you want to smell the postseason. It's one of those. I want to be there, dude. I've had so many fucking draft picks. I've been through so many lotteries. I've had so many guys that were supposed to come in and change things with the Lions, with the Red Wings, with the Pistons, with the fucking Tigers who are still in the dumps, who may be going further down into the dumps somehow. I've had it with the rebuilds. I've been there. And thank the heaven above that it seems that the Pistons and the Red Wings are kind of on their way. They've gotten some guys that have and are going to right the ship. They've got the right leadership at the coaching level and the front office level. 
They've got leadership within the roster, the players. They have high-level talent on the rosters. Like, thank God that they seem to be doing things correctly, and they both are now kind of on this upslope. The Red Wings are the furthest along franchise in this city. Fucking go figure. The Red Wings being the only team to get something done around here. But finally, after 13 years of toiling and mediocrity, the Pistons are kind of trudging along. The Pistons are getting there. We talked about Ivy. We talked about Duran. Obviously, Cade, Sadiq, they've got guys. Troy Weaver has fleeced a few teams. He looks like he knows what he's doing. People seem to like Dwayne Casey. Again, basketball coaches are always weird because it's like last year we sucked. Is it Dwayne Casey's fault or are we just the fucking worst team on paper in the league? You know what I mean? Like, who's guys? Larry Brown coaching that team? Is that anything better? I don't know. But it feels like those two teams kind of know what they're doing. Can we build to that with the Lions? Can we give us as fans a little bit of hope? Like, all right, dude, I get it. We're not going to make the playoffs this year. Maybe to think that, maybe to get all excited after that Eagles game and then the Washington game, and then despite the Minnesota game ending the way that it did, leaving with the idea like, all right, fuck, that sucked. Dan Campbell fucked that one up, but like, looked good. Should have won the game. (laughs) I tried trying to be positive. Maybe we got too ahead of ourselves then. But can we affirm a little bit that this is the right deal? I mean, we all watched Hard Knocks. We saw that first game against Philly. And if I would have told you then, hey, Philly is going to be undefeated going into week seven, and that outcome happened in week one, you'd be going, all right, dude, that's fucking – so they're the best team in the NFL, and we took them to the wire? Great. So we're going to be pretty fucking good then. Everybody was in that same boat. And there were all those fucking loser-ass Lions fans doing the SOL routine. I'm sitting there going, dude, we just took a team a lot of people think is going to win the NFC to the last second. Why are you fucking freaking out? We're supposed to be bad still. You're the same guy who was talking about Bryce Young six hours ago. The fuck are you upset about? We just lost to one of the best teams in the NFL by three? Maybe we got a little bit of ahead of ourselves. That shot some life into us. I, for one, certainly was kind of like, oh, are we, maybe we do fuck around and make a wild card appearance. (laughs) Maybe we do shock the world and win eight or nine games. That's where I was at. Maybe that's not attainable. But six, seven, like, can we just get a little bit of a foundation? Can we build on something? We had that at the end of last season. Goss started to flip it around. We won three of those games in the latter half of the year. It started to feel like, all right, this season's lost. We'll get a high draft pick. You know, it may not be a ton better next year, but it will be better. These guys are starting to figure it out. It feels like Dan Campbell's got them going, right? They're 0-8, and they're still coming out and busting ass. Brad Holmes feels like he kind of has an idea for what's happening. Like, all right, we could work with the end of last season. This year, we started off here, and it's just been straight down a nosedive ever since. Really, Minnesota, but Jesus Christ, that Seahawks game did it. And then you follow that up with just a ghost appearance against New England. Fucking pathetic. It's obvious to say that this Cowboys game is a win, must win. But I don't know what there else is, like what else is there to say. You guys know me. I'm not a huge analytics guy. How do the Lions win this game? You run the ball like you did every week up until New England. 
the offensive line dominates like they have been up until New England. Jared Goff plays well, hits open receivers like he has been all the way up until New England. Like the offense just do what the offense did. And then defense just don't be the worst. That's the formula for the Detroit Lions. Offense, do what you've done. And defense, simply don't be the worst. Dak Prescott's out here talking about sparkling water with Kylie Jenner. This guy has such little respect for you, Aaron Glenn, and your piss-poor defense. This guy's more worried about LaCroix than the Detroit Lions, bro. That's fucking pathetic. He's been injured a trillion times, coming off a dislocated thumb. A kid from Lansing Catholic, Central Michigan, Cooper Rush is gunning for his job. And this dude's worried about coming for Pomplemou LaCroix? Are you fucking kidding me? I bet you he wouldn't be doing that if it was the birds on the schedule this week. He looks, he goes, the Lions, he looks where we're ranked defensively, and he goes, yeah, let's fucking – put LaCroix out of business, and then I'll worry about learning how to throw a football again. <laughs> That's pathetic. It's a must win. Offense, do what the offense does. Defense, all you have to do is don't be the 32nd defense in the NFL. Be 29th and you win. If we had the 29th defense, we'd be 4-2. and two. Lose to the Pats, lose to the Birds. You know what I – like – if we simply didn't have the worst defense, we'd be four and two. That's how you win the game. I mean, what else is there to say? What else is there to say? You're in another good spot. I think Dak Prescott coming back off injury. He's kind of got to get used to playing again if he ends up being the starter, which I think all signs are pointing towards him starting the game. He's got to feel out his thumb the first time he gets hit. God forbid a Detroit Lions pass rusher gets near the quarterback. He's going to have to take one off the thumb. He's going to have to break a fall. He might hit a thumb on a helmet when he throws it. He's got to get used to speeds and coverages, all of that shit. You're in a good spot. Dak's rusty as fuck. He hasn't played in four or five weeks. And for whatever reason, when it comes to the Detroit Lions, Dak Prescott's going to have the best game he's ever had. Bailey's happy, no sweat. Geno Smith, not a fucking problem. Dak Prescott off a broken thumb and thinking about sparkling water for the last four weeks, career night. Like it's, it's, I don't know what it is. If you were Aaron Glenn and you were kind of on the hot seat and you knew your fan base hated you for making zero improvements to your defense week to week, you probably circle a game like this and go, fucking, this is a, this is one we can take advantage of. Is he going to, I thought he would have done it last week. I thought he would maybe would have done it the week before as well. Done quite the opposite in all of the weeks. So I don't know. It's a must win. I've I've kind of said it. I I maybe it was uh the Wednesday episode or less two weeks ago. I can't remember. But where I'm at with the Lions now is yeah, I'll tune in Sunday. Yes, I want to see us play well. I'd like to see us win the game. Ideally, that'd be very fun. Um but it's I'm just kind of laissez faire. You know what I mean? Like I it's it's gonna be tough for me to get riled up and emotional when we're fucking, we're one and four and we have the worst defense in the league. It's going to be tough. One and four, worst defense in the league. The Cowboys are four and two fighting for a wild card spot already. Like they're playing with a little bit of desperation. We played with whatever the fucking opposite of that is against New England. And we're the ones that are one and four. It's tough for me to get riled up. I want to be positive. I want to be happy. Like I want to wake up Sunday like someone fucking mainlined coffee into my eyes. That's how I want to feel. It's just tough to do. 
with the circumstances. I'll watch, you know, we'll see what happens. But until we get to within like a game of 500, you beat the Cowboys, you beat the Bears, and now we're three and four. Okay, or no, no, it's not the Bears. But you get to within a game of 500, then we can talk. Then I'll come on here, rah, rah, how great are we? Dan Campbell's a visionary. Yeah, the Dolphins are skidding too. You beat the Bears, or I mean, rather, you beat the Cowboys, you beat the Dolphins. We're three and four going into the Packer game. All right. All right, let's do it. I can work with that. I can get up for that. I can get up for Green Bay coming to Ford Field with us having a chance of getting the 500. I can get there. But you got to get to within striking distance. I'm not holding my breath on a one and four football team with a defense that makes no improvements despite being the worst. I just, it's not healthy, guys. You can't, you can hear that. My nose is congested. I was just thinking about the Lions. I'm getting a sick, a sickness. So it's what it is. All right. Uh, quick break. We'll talk some Red Wings. We'll talk some Pistons and uh, call it a day. Wings got the Blackhawks tonight. Should be a beatdown. Blackhawks think. Should be a fucking beatdown. I mean, this is a game. If we're going to do what we all want us to do, which is take a step, whether that's playoffs or not, but at least, you know, keep it interesting for the full length. Keep us in there in March and April. If we're going to be that team, we're going to hang around and give a little bit of fight to the big boys in Florida, Tampa, Toronto. You need to beat the Chicago Blackhawks. You need to beat the Chicago Blackhawks. This team is fucking pathetic. They willingly and openly are going, hey, we want to stink. We want to be the worst. We want to get rid of everybody every single day. It's Where's Patrick Kane going? Buffalo, New York? They want to be bad. You got to beat the Chicago Blackhawks. Doesn't take a Stanley Cup champion team, not a playoff team. You want to be competitive for 82. You want to be interesting. You want to take a step from last year. Beat the fucking Blackhawks. They're horrible. That said, team looks like they should beat the Blackhawks. We talked about them on Wednesday's episode. 2-0-1-1, three games in four days. We'll take that every day of the week. The guys that we need to be good look good. Dylan Larkin, Lucas Raymond, Moritz Seider, Steve Eiserman once again proving to be a genius. David Perron's been great. Ben Chirot's been pretty good. Oli Mata's been good. Billy Huso has been good. I'm forgetting one other. Uh, Andrew Kopp has been good. Pretty much all of the signings, Sunquist have contributed and improved this team already. Vrana's out. Um, he's in the NHL, like the NHL care program. I'm not exactly sure. But it would seem, I don't want to speculate, but I guess it's, I don't know, mental health or something otherwise. I'm not really certain. But he's out indefinitely. Don't know what's wrong with him. Don't know when he'll or if he'll ever come back to the wings. I hope he's doing okay. Hope he gets all the help he needs. Obviously, there's a lot more important shit than hockey. Got to be healthy. Got to feel good. Got to be able to live life. Be there for your family and people who are close to you. So, I hope Jakob Rana finds what he needs. Sucks that he's not going to be wearing the winged wheel because he scored an opening night goal. He's looked unbelievable ever since he came over from Washington. And he like we've kind of been chomping at the bit to get a full Jakob Rana run, right? He's kind of been plagued by injury since he got here. So it's a bummer, but, you know, prayers, thoughts are with him. Hope he's doing okay. Um, Bertuzzi, broken hand, out four to six weeks. That sucks. Part of the game. That sucks. Part of the game, right? Injuries happen. Hockey, you're hitting people. There's a flying piece of vulcanized rubber going every which way. Part of the game happens. Sucks. Sucks that it's another guy 
like Tyler Bertuzzi, where it's like, fuck, man, if he could just stay on the ice, he'd be pretty fucking good. Steam would look a lot different. And it sucks that he's one of the guys that kind of likes to get scrappy. Cause I think, although the veterans, I do believe add a little bit of that grizzled attitude. Like I think Andrew Kopp will fuck with you a little bit. I think David Perron will get in your face, Ben Chirot. Like I think some of those guys Steve brought in over the offseason, they're the type of dudes that'll get in your fucking face a little bit. They're not going to take shit from anyone. And we've seen Dylan Larkin last year for sure became more standoffish and more like, dude, we're fucking tired of your shit. Tampa Bay. We saw Larkin kind of take that step, but Bertuzzi's always been that guy for this team. And obviously he can produce too. him. Larkin and Raymond have been pretty fucking awesome ever since Raymond got there and Larkin and Bertuzzi dating back before then. So it's a bummer that he's out. It's a bummer. Like I said, with Rana, it's another guy that like, dude, it feels every single year. There's something with Bert where he's just missing extended time. And it sucks, man, because he's a good fucking player. He's a good person to have on the team, in the locker room, and on the ice with that enforcer element to his game. So it sucks. He'll be back soon enough. You got to weather the storm. Injuries are part of the game. I think that's another thing where we look at kind of – we look at the top-end talent on this Red Wings team and how they've improved. I think a big reason the Red Wings are 2-0-1 already – and I think will be better this year, will be more capable of keeping it interesting for 82, is just the fact that they have increased depth. A guy like Bertuzzi goes out, Jakob is out. All right, not ideal. You don't want that to happen, obviously. But I think we're much more equipped to handle that kind of stuff than we were prior, than we were last year, the year before, and all the other rebuilding years, for sure. We got some guys that can come fill in. Now, Phil Zadina is in a massive year. He had his first chance at kind of filling the role of Rana, the other night, um, didn't play well against the Kings at all. Played really poorly, actually. But listen, Verona's going to be out indefinitely. Get comfortable, Phil. Fucking make yourself at home. You're going to be playing. You're going to be playing along other talented individuals on the top two lines. You're going to be relied on to make plays. Most importantly, score goals. We want to see you become what everybody thought Phil Zadina was going to be when he was drafted by Detroit. We want that kid who's saying, I'm going to fill their nets with pucks. Fucking do it. Do it, Zadina. Now is your chance. Now is the time. If Philip Zadina somehow watches this, now is your time to carve out your place in the Detroit Red Wings organization. Extended period. This is the most talented team you have played on in Detroit by far. You've got guys who can get you the puck now. You've got guys who know how to score now. You're playing around other winners. If he is on that second line with Cop and Perron, like you're playing with dudes who know what the fuck they're doing. And we need you, Phillip. A lot of these guys, especially after this 2-0-1 start, nobody is looking around in the Red Wings dressing room going, why not another lottery pick? Fuck no. They're all looking around going, I don't care, whatever. It sucks. We lost Burr. We lost Vron. Whatever, dude. We want to make the fucking playoffs. That's the mentality in the dressing room, I promise you. And amongst the fans, we wouldn't hate that either. So Zadina, people are counting on you, buddy. You're counting on yourself. You want to get that fat paycheck? You want to hang around for a while? We got to see it. We've seen the glimpses with him. We've seen the potential. He's the number one guy who's in the right spot at the right time and just can't put the fucking ribbon on the present. He can't put the biscuit in the basket. He's right there. He's in the goal scorer spot, and it just hits the left pad. He's right where he needs to be. The puck's on the table. 
just goes over the net. Like that's been the story of Philip Zadina's career. Always this close, always right there. He's where he needs to be. He makes a nice play, but he can't quite finish it. And people have started to turn on him within the fan base, which is natural, right? If you're a high draft pick and you don't have a hat trick in game one, morons out there will turn on you. But people have started to kind of lose faith and give up on Zadina, which I'm not going to applaud them. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and say you're crazy for it. He's had ample time. And he has had multiple years now, multiple seasons where it is that same phenomenon. He's right fucking there. And it's like, all right, hey, you keep finding yourself in those spots. Eventually, some of these pucks are going to find their way through. He's going to start scoring goals. We're going to see the production, and it's all going to be worth it. You kind of talk yourself into that, and especially if you're me, if you're Mr. Optimist, if you're talking about how the Detroit Lions, you never know when they're one and four. If you're talking about that, then, of course, you're going to look at a guy like Phillips Adina and go, hey, he's wearing half the battle is fucking knowing where goals are scored. Eventually, these pucks are going to start hitting net and not glove. You know what I mean? Now's the time. Because if you can't do it this year, when there is nobody to push you out of the lineup, there is there is pressure on Zadina, but there isn't pressure. It's not like you play poorly tonight. Verona's taking your spot. No, Phil, we fucking need you to play. We need bodies. Already we got two wingers hurt. We need you, buddy. And we need you to play well. We need you to – we're going to put you with the other skill guys. We need you to do what you were brought here to do, which is produce. Now's the time for Zadina. So I'm excited. Sucks we lost those guys, but I'm excited for some of these others to get an opportunity, specifically him, Jonathan Berger, and there are rumors. He's injured in Grand Rapids right now, but there are rumors he might get called up to fill that other winger role, which would be sick. Dude, I would love to see him in Detroit. I was kind of bummed. Obviously, I understand. I don't want to rush anything. We talked about the Red Wings a little bit, the timetable uh, Wednesday. We're not in the win-now mode, right? It's not like Stanley Cup or bust. So some of these dudes, Bergeron, Edinson, everybody else, if we need to give them more time to mature, whether it's in Grand Rapids or overseas, absolutely. Do it. Don't rush anybody. We don't need that's we don't need to do that. But I was a little bummed out Bergeron didn't make the roster out of camp just because he tore it up in Grand Rapids last year. We saw what he did in Sweden the year prior. He's a guy that had kind of felt like, hey, is he the next Lucas Raymond? Like, is he about to come on the scene and fucking bust it up for us? Is he about to be the next rookie in Detroit who's got 50 points? out of the clouds, maybe even playing on a third line. I don't know. He felt promising. He still feels promising, absolutely. So he is injured, which sucks. But if he does get the call up um, in Bertuzzi's stead, that would be fairly exciting. I'd be happy to see that. Obviously, assuming he's healthy and he can handle it. I don't know. The Red Wings, we talked about them. We, they were 2-0-1 when we talked Wednesday. They're 2-0-1 today. They played three games in four days and then didn't play for almost a week. Uh, Gary Bettman, what? What, Gary? Three games in four days, and then they don't play again until Friday? That doesn't – whatever. Um, doesn't make any sense, but not much has changed other than the Verona news. The the reverse retros, you kind of heard my my feelings on them. Um, I just don't know, man. I just don't know. Like, why are you trying so hard? You don't put a bumper sticker on a Ferrari. Don't reinvent the wheel. If it's not broken, don't fix it. How many fucking cliche phrases do I need to spout off? 
You have the most iconic logo in sports. You're an original six team. Not only that, you already have legendary throwback jerseys that you can readily use whenever you'd like. You have the jerseys, the cream and red ones from the Zetterberg Datsuk era. You have the white with the red stripe and the sharp looking D. You have those. You have the traditional barber poles that are red and white. Why, why must you go nebula galaxy brain and go, let's make it black stripes? Why? Don't reinvent the wheel. You have infinity things that work already. Just use one of those. The whole idea behind the reverse retros for the NHL is to just sell more jerseys, is it not? You already have so many great options. You're the Detroit Red Wings. It's the coolest part of being the Detroit Red Wings is we're the Detroit Red Wings. We're iconic. We have maybe outside of the Leafs, the most legendary brand in the Habs, the most legendary brand in the game. Why are you trying so hard? You don't need to be extra. You're not the San Jose Sharks, dude. You're not the Carolina Hurricanes. The franchise wasn't founded in 2001. They've been playing hockey in Detroit since World War II, man. But we're going to throw in black for no reason all of a sudden? And we haven't even brought back the normal barber poles for fuck's sake. I mean, I get there, the reverse retros. Okay, flip the color of the barber pole then. Make it a red jersey with white stripes. Like, ah, I just don't know about them. I just don't know. It just, it hurts to see when it's like, dude, there are so many good options. We have so many sweet alternates and retro jerseys. Once we burn through all those, once we do the cream ones and we reverse retro those, because you could do those two or three ways. You could make those white and red. You can make a cream sweater with red, right? You could do that like five ways alone. The stripe with the D, you could do that a handful of ways alone. You could even mess with just the traditional Red Wings jersey, change up some colors, maybe throw in some different design. You could mess with that already. You could use the winged wheel in different ways. Like there's so many different things. This guy on Twitter, Alex Breeds or Alex Breads, I believe his name is. I'm sorry if I'm butchering that, Alex. He does design mock-ups for Detroit teams. And he put out his Red Wings one today, naturally. And it's just, it's nothing crazy. It's a red sweater. I think it's got white stripes and it says Detroit right here in kind of a Gothic looking font. It's fucking crispy. It's so nice. And it's infinitely better than what the Red Wings came up with. And the craziest part, it doesn't even play on any of the pre-existing Red Wings jerseys. Brand new, not drawing from anything, and it's clean, it's simple, it's crisp, and it's beautiful. And it's exactly what it should be. Not trying too hard, not doing anything crazy. Red, white, easy, simple. Detroit, you know what the fuck it is, and it works. We look like the Chicago Blackhawks B team with those things. I don't know. I don't love them. I don't love them. If like if it was the year 2040 and we've done 20 iterations of the reverse retros and then they come out with those, I'd be like, all right, you know, fine, cool. There's just so many sick ideas sitting, sitting right here, sitting right here at the fingertips that they haven't even touched. But let's go with black barber poles. Why? 
Why? Anyways, anyways. Positive vibes for the Wings, though. Positive vibes. This is a great team. This is a special team. Dylan Larkin, hustle play of the season against the Kings the other night. Sunquist, Oscar, sick goal to tie it up. Sent it to OT. Stole a point. 2-0-1-1. We'll take that. Keep it interesting for 82. Steve Eiserman's a genius. Can't wait to beat the piss out of the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. Let's keep this train moving, huh? Let's keep this thing moving. Let's go Red Wings. Quick break, Pistons. How about the Pistons, though, huh? Huh? Jalen Durant and Jaden Ivey look fucking sweet. Dude, the rookies look sick. Bogdan Bogdanovich, what a pickup. For free, Utah? For free? Did we have to rub you off in the back? What Troy had to do to get that? You're just going to give him away? The dude sleeps hitting three-pointers, and you just take him. For Saban Lee, was it? Utah, you dirty dogs. Cade just being Cade. Ten pounds of muscle, Cade. Sadiq Bay, year three. Isaiah Stewart, hustling, pulling down boards, hitting dagger fucking threes. Killian Hayes, people want to hate on. One for nine from the field, that ain't it. Five assists, was it? Three steals, did I think I saw? Seven or eight rebounds? Okay, Killian. Hey, we don't need him to score 20 a night, dude. We got plenty of other guys that can do that. We need him to play good defense. Steals would work. A little rebound, playmaking, assists. Do all that stuff, Kill. We don't need you to score. Be Draymond Green. Honest to God, if you're Killian Hayes, be a short Draymond Green. Playmake, force turnovers, pull down some rebounds. Spell Cade. That's it. We don't need you to be Steph fucking Curry, dog. Draymond, the backpack doesn't come out too often. We don't need yours to, Kill. That's all right. Pistons look good. Orlando, real quick, Orlando's kind of sweet, by the way. I know they're very young, but they got Franz. Obviously, Banchero. I saw, listen, Duke played Michigan State in the tournament this last year. I watched that game. I watched Banchero against us. Good player, no doubt. He didn't look like that, dude. This guy is a fucking menace. He got like 10x better, I swear to God, in the offseason. He is a menace. Orlando's kind of nice. They got Suggs, Franz, Banchero, RJ Hampton. Orlando, Wendell Carter, kind of nice. Like they got a good young core. It's going to be a little while. All those guys are so young. But a lot of those guys feel like they're going to be pretty fucking good. Orlando's in a good spot, and that's another franchise. Kind of like us. Haven't been relevant for a long time. You had Shaq and Penny. T-Mac for a bit. Orlando hasn't really Dwight for a little bit, right? The prime years with Stan Van. Orlando's kind of been off the map for a while. They look like they might come back in a big way a few years down the line. So good for them. It was a fun game to watch, dude. A lot of sick players, but the Pistons look good. I mean, I know this Pistons team isn't going to be great, right? Like, I, let me just, can I preface? I know we're not, you know, we're probably not winning the playoff series. I know. All right. I know we'll probably count our blessings if we sneak into a play-in game. I'm 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 aware. I'm aware. But for one game, one night, opening night in Detroit, packed LCA, dude. The place was buzzing. I go on Twitter after the game. People are going, that's the loudest it's been for a Pistons game since they opened the joint. Cade in year two. 
Jaden Ivy and Duran in year one. Like Jaden Ivy's tweeting Detroit versus everybody. He's wearing, I think it's Uncle's James Hunter's Lions jersey into the arena. Come on, bro. We got the youngest player in the league and Duran just casual double double in his debut. Come on, bro. Mason on the mic. Detroit basketball. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Let's just get lost in it for a little bit, huh? Let's get lost in the one and zero Detroit Pistons. Can we? Let's just lay down. Blow up one of those inflatable pools on a hot summer day when you live in a neighborhood and you don't have an in-ground pool. Blow one of those up. Your dog goes in, makes the water all murky, but you're so goddamn sweaty and you want to relax so bad you just lay in the pool anyway. Let's lay in that pool. The Pistons are that pool. The water's clear right now. The dog hasn't taken a shit in the pool just yet. The water is clear and it's 90 and sunny out. So let's go lay down in the one and oh kitty pool. Let's fucking relax for a little bit. Let's enjoy it. Maybe you bring a spritzer with you into the pool. I don't know. Whatever you got to do to fully unwind. Let's take it in. Jaden Ivey looked sick, man. He had a couple mistakes. There was like a couple times where he over dribbled a little bit and it cost him. But you know what I mean? Game one, he's getting used to the NBA, all that shit. That's the best part about this too. Best part about, I mean, rebuilding sucks. I was going to say best part about being a rebuilding team. Rebuilding sucks because it means you're absolute fucking shit. But the best part about rebuilding is the whole, like, even if Jaden Ivey does some stupid shit or Duran makes some mistakes, it's like, oh, well, it's early. He's still getting used to the game. He's a young guy. Like, there's infinite excuses. Jaden Ivey physically can't be bad until at least like halfway through year two, where then you can go, all right, maybe he's not good at this one thing. Up until then, it's no, he's still early. He's getting used to the speed of the game. It's beautiful. But Jaden Ivey was great. He's insane in transition. He's fucking nuts in transition. The guy starts running and it, it's like a tennis match, bro. This dude is a goddamn gazelle in the open field. I know he rides with the Poison Ivy nickname, but we got to get him something better. The Flash would be sick, but Dwayne Wade cut us there. We got to get him some Poison Ivy. That shit doesn't grow fast. Those buildings at the University of Michigan. Oh, Poison Ivy I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of regular Ivy at the University of Michigan. Any form of Ivy. That shit doesn't grow that fast, does it? Not fast like Jaden Ivy on the fast break. Two on one fast. Not that fast. Come on now. He looked unreal. And him and Kate are going to be good together. His off ball, both of them. The the ability for both of them to do stuff without it. The ability for both of them to get open without it cutting. The ability for both of them to shoot without it. The, the ability and the willingness they both have to pass to get someone else open, to give it up when you are open. Dude, like it, it was a beautiful thing to watch. He's got a long way to come. But, man, Ivy game one? Yeah, dude. Yeah, bro. Jaden Ivy game one looked pretty fucking good. My favorite part, menace on defense. Two things. Favorite part of the game, menace on defense. Had a handful of steals just being active, paying attention. Oh, like he's staring at this guy behind me. That's a steal for Jaden Ivy. Like, just obvious shit. Just paying attention to the game. Being big, being active, being quick being locked in couple steals, but my favorite part of his game offensively, obviously the transition game, like you have to get fired up about, but 
his willingness to go to the rim, and then just his freak athleticism when he gets there. Like there were a couple of times where he goes to the rim and you're like, I don't know about that. And the ball goes in and you're like, what? I don't know about that. Dude, Einstein, Bert, where's Bert? Newton, put the fucking apple down, Isaac, and come take a look at this. That guy, his body was behind the backboard. Isaac, sir, can I call you? You mind if I call His body was behind the backboard and he laid it in. He's a rookie, sir. This is his first game. How the fuck did he do that? Jaden made a couple plays like that where you're just going, whoa, whoa. He's He is athletic. They were right. He is athletic. That was unreal to watch. And then, yeah, like the aggression, just not being a pussy about it. I feel like that's kind of Killian's problem, not to gang up on Killian and be too negative, but that's kind of been his problem. He's a little bit of a pussy when it comes to going to the rim, and he's not as athletic or as big, which is fair, but still, like, you can't be an NBA guard and not want to go take a layup, right? You can't like that. Just doesn't that doesn't compute. So Ivy was nice, nineteen four and three. It's what he finished with. Cade being Cade, eighteen points, ten assists. That like that's that's all you got to do, bro. And when Bogdan Bogdanovich is making it fucking rain, Cade doesn't need to do a whole lot more. Eighteen and ten, uh, got you the win, didn't it? That's all you needed. Let the hot hand cook when he's in the fucking kitchen. And then Jalen Duren, of course, 14 points, 10 rebounds. Probably stole, like, I think he's probably the unsung hero, stole the show, but he's probably the biggest talking point. You knew Cade was going to be good. We know Cade is good. You knew Jaden Ivey was going to do some electric stuff just off pure athleticism um, and then playing with a guy like Cade. They didn't really know how much run Duren was going to get. He ended up playing 22 minutes. Pretty fucking good, dude. More than Killian, Cujo, Hami, and Kevin Knox. Pretty good run, 22 minutes for an 18-year-old in his first game in the NBA. That's some pretty good time, dude. And 14 points, 10 boards in that 22, that's damn good. Like, that is very fucking good. I'll tell you what, he's not going to play 22 next game. He's going to be looking at, like, 24, 25, 26. He ain't playing 22 very many times if he keeps doing that. Isaiah Stewart, I think in an ideal world, probably is our guy off the bench too. I mean, you just look at the bodies. Jalen Duren is built like if Shaq could shoot the mid-range. Like he's a freak of nature. He's a freak of fucking nature, dude. The fact that he was ever allowed to play basketball against kids that weren't on Division I college scholarships is ludicrous, dude. That's a war crime. They outlawed Zyklon B., after World War One, Jalen Duran playing kids who are going pro in something other than sports. Add that shit to the list. Unreal. He is a freak of nature. And I think Stu's a good player, right? I love the hustle he brings, the grittiness. If he added that outside shot, which he showed a couple times, that'd be a huge part of his game. No doubt about it. That'll help him stay on the floor more. But I also think, like, no shame in being the backup. No shame Killian being the point guard off the bench. No shame, Stu, being the primary big off the bench. There's no shame. Bagley hasn't been in the lineup because he got hurt. He'll be out for like a month or so, I want to say. He'll be a nice addition when he comes back. But, dude, there's no shame in Stu coming off the bench because I think Jalen Duran does that. He keeps doing that. Like, if he's in that condition, he's in shape to start playing 26, 27, 28, 29 minutes a game. He can defend some of these guys. Obviously, Orlando Paolo is a dog, but he we haven't seen Jalen Duran against 
Giannis in the division. Fucking tank. Vucevic in Chicago in the division. We haven't seen him against any of the big dogs where it's like these guys are the creme de la creme. But at the same time, dude, I don't want to slant Isaiah Stewart the whole time. Is he bringing that much more defensively? Like I think Duran, if he keeps it up and if he is in shape, he's going to just be the starting center because the ceiling is ridiculous. I mean, he was throwing down posters. He threw down two of them. It's his debut game. Nobody really even knew what he was going to be. They knew he was a freak. They knew he looked like an alien. They knew he's the most athletic 18-year-old who's ever fucking lived. They didn't know how that would translate to the NBA floor. I mean, Memphis wasn't crazy good or anything last year. He was on the team. It looks like he's going to translate. And every day that goes by, he's going to get better. He's going to get more comfortable with the way the people around him play, the way specifically Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey play. He's going to get more comfortable with the way Dwayne Casey coaches, the sets the Pistons run. He's going to get more comfortable with the way fouls are called, where to score in the NBA, how to score in the NBA when to be physical. He's going to learn to be more finesse and step out and pop jump shots more when he needs to. This dude's only going to get better. Day one, again, Orlando, not the Golden State Warriors. Day one, 22 minutes, 14 points, 10 rebounds. Jalen Duran may have been the steal of the draft. It's an exciting time. And the best part is the most the most reassuring, reassuring part of the game the other night not even that they won. Like, it was cool that they won and the crowd got to celebrate an opening night, LCA, like a pretty exciting season for the Pistons, despite there not be being really any postseason aspirations. This is an exciting year for the Stones. Most exciting we've had since like 2009, 2010. It's got to be. We've got our core guy, the future in Cade. We've got some auxiliary pieces, a couple more exciting rookies. This is like, this is feels like the beginning of the return of the Pistons. Last year felt like the beginning, the beginning, but now it's like, oh shit. Cade, Sadiq, Ivy, and Duran, that's a core. Couple more role players, Bogey, Isaiah Stewart, hopefully Killian comes along, Bagley when he gets back. And then we've got a fuck ton of cap space. This, this feels like the beginning of what the next great iteration of the Detroit Pistons want to be. And on top of all of that, dude, Jaden Ivey's locked into Detroit. Cade Cunningham's giving interviews to whoever, talking about, like, we want to be the next Detroit team. We want to carry on the legacy of the bad boys and the going-to-work Pistons. Cade Cunningham talking like he wants to be in Detroit. He wants to be successful, but he wants to be successful in the fucking D. You know what I'm saying? We've got guys that feel like they're bought in, and I get it. We're not Los Angeles. We're not Miami. We're not Chicago. We're not the New York Knicks. I understand all of that. We're not the Boston Celtics. We're still the Detroit Pistons, though. And money fucking talks. Money talks. I get it. I get it. People are going to try and rip on us. Nobody would ever sign in Detroit. Okay, bet. Wait and see. Wait and see. Because when Troy Weaver's got $60 million plus to spend this offseason, somebody, you know, guy, people are going to sign in Detroit. When they look around at the rest of their options, they look around at all the other teams that have $60 million plus, and they're all absolute fucking dog water. And then they look at Detroit and they go, wait, they got Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, Sadiq Bay, Bogdanovich, Bagley. 
they look at the roster we got and they go, whoa, and they're offering me the max. And it's the Detroit Pistons. Like, it's not the Indiana Pacers we're talking about. It's not the Charlotte Hornets, bro. Yeah, we're not the most historic franchise. The Detroit Pistons got some history. The Detroit Pistons, that crest, that shit means something. Like, we, we got a spot in the lore of the NBA. Yeah, the Lakers. Yeah, the Bulls. Yeah, the Warriors. Yeah, the Celtics. Yeah, the Knicks. Yeah, the Heat. Yeah, even the Spurs. Fine. Detroit Pistons are up there, though. Detroit, like, playing for the Pistons, I think there's a lot of people and a lot more dudes in this league that would be interested in doing that than anybody outside of Detroit is willing to admit, especially when they're getting 30 million bucks a year to come do it. Money fucking talks. And money on a good team talks a lot louder than money in some desolate wasteland like San Antonio. That's the facts. That's the facts. So it's an exciting time for the Pistons. Hopefully they can keep this thing going. Like I said, similar to the Red Wings, dude. Let's see what they got. Let's see how long we can keep this show on the road, right? I don't think anybody really has expectations of them, you know, making a playoff spot in the top eight, winning a playoff series. Fuck no. But let's hang around. Let's see if we can't sneak into the play on. We got the Knicks tonight at MSG. That'll be a fun game. A lot of exciting players in that one. I think the New York crowd will show out. Again, it's Detroit. And we got some exciting young guys. I think it'll be a fun atmosphere Friday night. Again, dude, the Knicks. The Knicks lost their first one. They're not like anything great. They're in the playoffs last year. All right, dude, they're nothing great. They got Brunson. Fucking who gives a shit? This will be a fun game. Another good test. Like, let's see what this Pistons team is all about. Because there's gonna be, we're gonna play the Bucks. We'll probably lose to the Bucks a lot. We're gonna play the Bulls. We'll probably lose to the Bulls. We're gonna play teams that are better than us, that are gonna finish higher in the standings than us, that do have aspirations of winning playoff series, and we'll probably lose to them. But when we play these eh, so-so teams, the New York Knicks of the world, let's fucking go beat them. Let's see what we're made of. Cade Cunningham, let's see it, dog. Let Be that guy. Be that guy. I'm excited. I'm excited. Pistons and Red Wings, baby. Fucking carry on my way with son. That's all I got, folks. TheSecondString.com. Check it out. The shirts. Uh, Red Wings shirts will go up hopefully any day now, so keep your eyes peeled. Appreciate the support. Appreciate everyone who listens. Hope you guys have a wonderful fucking weekend. I love you. We'll see you next week.